podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. If you're always searching for your next great adventure or seeking answers to complex questions, If you think of yourself as someone who takes charge, is there for others, breaks down barriers, or sees the world for what it can be, then you're just what we're looking for. CIA is searching for women of all skill sets with these traits and others to join the Directorate of Operations and help protect our nation. Visit cia.gov slash careers. See yourself here. Celtic state of mind and it's the return of Amy Canavan. How are you feeling Amy? Bit better, much better than last week to be honest. Yeah, still getting there a bit uh, slowly but surely. Um, I've fairly been rattled by it but no, we're getting there, we're getting there. It's still out there isn't it? Um, the corona, still out there. Um, your other team, your other team because yes. Celtic are your team yes. and Bonnera Grows are your other team. I'm not sure I've got that right, the right way around. Um, they've done okay. They've done okay. Doing all right, haven't they? Give, give us an update. Give us an update. Give us an update. So tomorrow I should play Rangers B. So um, that's interesting because obviously they were meant, the Colts were meant to come in, you know, and be unstoppable. Um, so that's not happened. So it'll be interesting to go through there tomorrow. But no, yeah, Bonner and Grows, League Champions, um, obviously playoff. I think the last time I was on, playoff was secured. Um, but then last week, um, or well, that's actually where I caught Corona uh, for going out and celebrating. Um, but yeah, so league champion. So, you know, it's the Lowland League right now. There's a lot of controversy. Um, mm. And I do kind of agree with it. There's a lot of, uh, it's, this is obviously my opinion, but to be fair, Bonner and Gross have the, have the same stance that, you know, any any champion club should be promoted automatically, I think, in any league. Um, yeah. So yep. League Two are a very closed door in the SPFL. I think that's a massive problem. Um, and obviously, Burnley Grows and other lonely clubs, Highland clubs as well, have really said, like, look, you need to open our doors. It's a joke that obviously now Burnley are champions, but we've got to go through two playoffs against the Highland League. And then whoever wins that, then it's playoffs against what looks to be Cowden Beef. Um, but then in the same breath, the Lone League have just rather uh, hypocritically actually I've just uh, failed to pass through the movement to allow you know the, the divisions below us tier six automatic promotion in so you're east of Scotland west of Scotland so you know again you remain in a closed door not opening up promotion relegation um, so there's a lot wrong with the pyramid system right now mm. um, and I think 
Bonnegar certainly in the midst of that because like you say your champion club win the, your league um, but you're, you're nowhere near guaranteed promotion yet well, people might be saying, how is this relevant to Celtic? Well, it absolutely is, because the Celtic B team is part of the structure at the moment, and surely the pyramid structure only works if clubs can progress through the leagues. And you've got clubs like Cowdenbeath, Eastall and Brecon, all these clubs that have basically been run on a shoestring with no ambition, and they're finishing bottom of the league, and the way I look at it is, if you're bottom of the league, you drop out the league. Uh, and that, that's coming from someone who's... A good friend as a Cowden Beath season ticket holder. I think he was number thirty-seven when he bought his season ticket. <laughs> uh, I think they've maybe got about, yeah, they've got. I think it's up to forty-two after oh, us yeah. talking about them. So yeah, it is interesting because the Celtic B question will be on the table very soon in relation to promotion. Because obviously this was a one-season trial. We are well, um, Celtic and Rangers, but then how's it going to go? It's going to well, end up with trying to get them. Absolutely, yeah. it's in motion again right now. Obviously, there was a meeting last week where the promotion relegation was offered, but the B teams they both put forward their presentation basically of why they should stay because they both want to stay in now and they've made that obvious. Um, so there will be some sort of vote. Bonnerig again last year, we put it to the fans, um, which would then make our vote. And again, Bonnerig are doing that again. I think a few clubs will as well, um, because you know the the conversations never really stop with the B sides, but. I don't know how much, obviously they are believing, I, I remember when we played Celtic B, Burnley played them in January um, got speaking to a few of the guys, Tommy McIntyre was very keen for it to continue he saw a lot of development with his players and really saw, you know, I think they probably did get a little bit of a shock I do think they came in, not with an arrogance but certainly with a confidence that they could come in and stroll this league um, and my goodness, they've certainly put, you know, five, six, seven past some sides, as have Bonnerig and the lone league, you know, you've got probably the seven clubs that are really going to be competing with Celtic B and Rangers B and then the rest not. And that, that's the issue, the, the hypocrisy as well, and hence why the promotion relegation never got opened up because there's clubs in the league fearing that, you know, through West, Auckland, Talbot, Darville, Pollock, they're all going to come up and, you know, de- destroy these sites. So, and even through East, you know, Linlithgow Rose, Pennycook Athletic, obviously close to us um, and Trinent down the road. So um, it will be interesting to see how this goes again, because obviously it was made very clear that it was supposed to just be a, a one a one season wonder, really. But I uh, know the, the conversation certainly back on the table right now. Yeah, I, I remember talking about it and thinking, nah, no chance is that going to be a one, a one season trial. Yeah, um, we're talking about a certain game coming up at the the weekend, you might have heard. And um, I, I was thinking about certain aspects of Celtic, and we'll run through them, where it shows how galvanised we have become under this man, Ange Postacoglu. And we've spoken long and hard about you know his arrival and the reactions and the lack of respect for him and the game that he came from um, and the country in uh, many ways that he came from. And we talk about kind of Euro snobbery when it comes to football, Amy. And I think, yeah, that existed on, on various um, episodes of the Axon Bulletin back when he was appointed. But when you think about last season, sorry to take your memories back to last season, ladies and gents, and how much of a kind of shambles Celtic were as a club uh, and how, you know, the club and the fans were at odds with each other and how one man has come in and I know that there's been lots of other things happening behind the scenes, but led by one man in Ange, who, who have completely galvanised not just the team, uh, but the club as a whole. And I think sometimes with Celtic, uh, the lesser you hear, the less you hear about the fans talking about the board, 
the more successful the team is doing on the park. And that's exactly what's happened with Ange Postecoglou. And then the flip of that is across the road against their opponents this, uh, this weekend, their fans and their club are at odds. So we're going into this game, Amy, and it's a complete flip on last season where Celtic, um, the, the club and the fans were, were uh, going toe-to-toe. Uh, on, on numerous occasions, and I don't mean physically, um, it seems to have flipped. And I want to talk today about how that is going to work in Celtic's advantage. Um, so, Ange Postecoglou from day one, uh, we said this, he, he's been working with one hand tied behind his back. Be that, you know, going into the new season with one right back, going into the second leg of the European qualifier with an 18-year-old centre-half. You know, having three of the so-called star men on their way out the door when the season starts, but they're still kind of lingering on for a bit. Um, but he's managed every one of these challenges, and then we get into the we get into the January transfer window, and he you know he waves a magic wand almost, um, and, and he brings in four players, one of whom I feel quite sorry for, and Idaguchi. I don't think he's got going, but he has galvanised Celtic Football Club, and as I say, it's almost the opposite against their opponents, Rangers where they're at odds. You've seen it. when I mean, I think the, the meme of McGregor when he turns around and has some choice words for his own fans says how fragmented it is at Ibrox right now. How big is that going to be going into... How that unrest, Amy, how big is that going into this game? You know, it's even such a stark contrast from the last game at Ibrox. Obviously, you can totally go back to last season and it's chop and change. It's totally different ends of the spectrum, but... The way that Celtic and this Andrew Postacoglu Celtic going into this game at Ibrox to, compared to the one in, in August, um, you know, it's totally different ends of the spectrum as well. Um, but like you say, it's it's massive compared to what, what is going on at Ibrox right now. Um, that was, you know... It, I'm trying to think of the, the best way to put this, but it wasn't the most convincing performance against Dundee. You know, mm. there, there's no really two ways about that. And there was a lot of hostility, like you say, with the McGregor incident, the tennis balls, the toilet roll, all of that kind of malarkey. And I know, obviously, Celtic fans, there's, there's been stuff there as well. So, um, But that kind of... The, the actions that Celtic were taking, Celtic fans were taking last year against the board, as you say, um, you know, tennis balls and all that, that is now shoes on the other foot. Um, with with Rangers and the McGregor comments again, I think they probably flew under the radar a little bit, um, and, and that's just you know fair enough. But I wouldn't be too happy if you know this is a guy who is lauded and all of this malarkey. Um, but remember, this is a guy that also did run out on the club when they did get liquidated. So uh, I think it's double standard sometimes when it comes to the likes of McGregor. You know, it was back like it was Stephen Naismith, Stephen Whitaker. You know, the guys all ran out, um, but all will welcome them back. Stephen Davis. Um, but it is, it's it's totally different. It's um, yeah, you couldn't be on two greater different scales um confidence just mm. yeah general just the general feeling feeling sorry around the club everything is on the up right now with Celtic and you know nobody's really batting an eyelid at anything else you know the big thing Amy right is uh sometimes and it probably took us all a wee while to get used to the the post-match uh bulletins where we're a Celtic fan and we're watching the game and last season was a prime example and most of the time we were pretty rotten and then you react to that. It's a reaction podcast, um, the post-match, and you're emotive. Your emotions are running high. And it's difficult to actually keep a lid on it. 
And the one thing this season that I think has been remarkable is the way that Ange has managed to just keep his own counsel. And I'll go right back to the Michelin game where uh, in the away tie, albeit we pushed them to extra time, you know, people sometimes forget that even with that one hand tied behind his back, he's pushed them to extra time and they beat us. And he gets interviewed afterwards and the uh, reporter, probably uh, regrettably on his part, says that it was a catastrophe. And, you know, it would have been easy to become emotional at that point, but Ange didn't. He just put him right. You know, he says, this is a catastrophe means it's the end. This isn't the end, you know. And he wasn't doing it so that they could put his quote on a T-shirt. He was saying it from the heart. Um, and I've been really impressed with the way that he's managed to keep the emotions because it is so difficult at times, Amy, when it comes to your football team. Um, loads of comments coming in. Thanks all for joining. It's always a pleasure on a Monday. Yeah, the lineup has changed. So last week was the, the final Monday that Tony Haggerty will be um, in the green room now. He used to be in front of a cupboard, but he's now know, in the green room, you know? Moved. So he, as well... He's, he's, he's lost know. all sense of uh, normalisation. Yeah, he's got his own green room. <laughs> um, now that he's got the blue tick and he's moved on to a Friday so you'll see Tony every week on a Friday and we will have a new co-host next week Amy, you and I I wonder who Hello. that could be wonder. I wonder who it could be Magnet67, you got an early half afternoon axon team I hope we don't go into the derby at Ibrox overly confident, I'm sure Ange will keep us grounded that kind of ties in with what we're saying he, he does really seem to keep everybody grounded, talks about playing our game Amy, and I think that with him at the helm, and this isn't just a free dig at Neil Lennon, uh, because I've said that actually about Tommy Burns in the past, you will not get overly emotive. You know, people say Tommy Burns was too emotionally attached to Celtic um, at that time to take the Celtic manager's job. And I think it's a good debate to have. Neil Lennon was certainly too emotionally attached to Celtic last season and the quest for 10 in a row. What you've got in a guy like Ange is what you got in people like Vim Janssen. I, I would say where they come in and yeah, they know who Celtic are, but they don't have that same emotional attachment and that's removed in big games like this. Um, how big will that be, do you think, this weekend? It's just the way he goes about his business, isn't it? Um, you know, you can listen back. Uh, just recently, again, I was listening back to uh, Ryan McGowan's interview when he was talking about uh, to Hamish Carton. He was talking about Ange, obviously, worked for him at an international level. Um, and he was just like, you know, international, it's obviously it's his country and whatnot, um, Ange's country. And he would just sit there on the plane from um, Australia to Dubai, Ryan had to sit next to him and he wouldn't say a word. So that's just what he does. He totally disconnects, you know. So that's his, you know, and we listen now to Ange talk so passionately and patriotically about Australia and rightly so but you know that's him then in the role and he can still even remove himself from that um so it does it just gives you a little taster isn't it? that kind of that's just the way he goes about his business the way that we you know see as well we've heard him talk about that he doesn't really you know the the changing room is very much for the players the dressing room that's that's their area that's their arena really leave that to your Callum McGregor's Joe Hart's and whatnot um, and you know everything that he's done is done by that point so there, there's not much more else for him to say um, and it's just that cool kind of head isn't it mm-hmm. like you say it can only be a, a positive thing I think going into this because the passion will come from your Callum McGregor's your you know James Forrest's guys that know Anthony Ralston um and Joe Hart, he understands derbies, big ties, big games. Um, so there's enough of that in the dressing room. You don't need to be getting that from the manager. From the manager, every day, every every post-match, every press conference, everything he says, you know, it's one game at a time. Every game is exactly the same. Um, and, and that is perhaps what you want to hear because, 
you know, as fans, we know this is obviously a much bigger game, but for the players, it's still three points on the line. There's nothing greater, you know, it's not. And I think that's what Ange just trying to get at. You know, it's not like a three points and you get a star as well or something. It is just three points for a game of football. Mm. You know, that that's interesting. You're talking about the point around the, the dressing room being the domain of the players because Tony Ralston was asked that last week when we were up at Celtic Park. Um, outside actually we were chatting to Hamish and uh, Juddy as well it was good to be up there in the sunshine to be fair I wasn't in the stadium not that I'm banned not yet anyway uh, but Natasha and um, and Kelvin were in filming it and somebody asked Tony the question about the changing room scenario but he was very coy he didn't give much away um, but having like spoken to other players who have been involved in Celtic over the years you know you talk about Players that's played under Martin O'Neill speak about obviously the big um, rousing team talk that he gave against Liverpool, but generally there there wasn't big rousing team talks. And I've spoke to a lot of players, a, a privilege to speak to a lot of players who played under Jock Steen who say exactly the same. And I think it's because, like you said before, Amy, you're already prepared for the game. So if you think for the last five minutes that 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 is basically what's going to win you and lose you the game you'll probably lose more than you win. You've got to be prepared before you walk in there. And I've also seen a wee bit of footage of Ange where he's entered the dressing room over in Japan and the way that he gets a reaction when he does enter the dressing room. So the the presence of the man when he does decide to enter the dressing room. So he's going to get that impact as well. Um, So it's very interesting. And Magnet, you did come in early, so you're coming in for your second comment here. Um, do we know who the ref will be? That wasn't the one I was going to pick in. If anyone does know who the, the ref is, so you're getting three comments. A treble. We used to be good at them. Um, if anyone knows who the ref is, let us know. Good to hear Nero and JJ coming back early from international duty. It is, and it will lead us on to talk about the, the selection um, of the team at the weekend, which is, I think there's a couple of um, areas of the park that might be cause for debate. But I think we're also at the situation that we're in a scenario now, Amy, where I'm not going to say the team picks itself, but you are getting a view of what is maybe the strongest lineup. I mean, right, so Tommy Rogic is injured. So you think to yourself, you've got a like-for-like replacement in O'Reilly. I would be pretty surprised if David Turnbull was to come in, for example, for a start. You're thinking Matt O'Reilly. But Nero coming back, Nero, as we now call him, because obviously he's a, he's a bit of a favourite. Um <laughs> He is coming back early, as is Juranovic, but I only think one of them is going to start and I don't think it's near Beaton. Nah, neither do I. I do think it's Joseph Juranovic. Um, Tony Ralston's biggest fan here, but, you know, Juranovic is just, he just offers so much. You know, he's so good. Like, he is so, so good. Um, there's a reason that he's playing and, and does get selected and does play for, you know, one of the best national sides in, in the world right now. Um, what a strong Croatian side. And he, he doesn't look out of, you know, out of place. The guy's unreal. Um, I think he's he's such a steal. And he's going so... You know, when we talk, we talk about, you know, who's been, like, the signer of the season and whatnot, I think it's ridiculous how little he's been mentioned. Um, and I understand right now we're very much still caught up in the giant transfer window because that's been so exceptional. And rightly so. Um, but if you're going, you know, back from the the summer, we're looking at like Joe Hart and whatnot. But Juranovic, what a steal! Um, you know, you would easily like you, you would pay double for him. You, you absolutely would. Um, Celtic have to make a profit off him whenever that does come. I'm not asking for it to be now, but um, you know that, that's big bucks because the, the guy is is unbelievable. And I think he, you know, the, his comments recently as well. He's he's well up for it. I think he's. 
him coming back this little bit earlier and like I say his recent comments he's so geared up for this he's ready um, and he, he gives 110% and I think like, he's link up play just everything he encapsulates pretty much what a fullback in Ange Postacoglu's system is is what he's looking for basically he has all the greatest attributes Going, like he could so easily be a winger and it just so happens that he's a great defender as well mm. No, you're you're right, and that two point seven million is looking like an absolute snip. We te- I keep saying that Joe Hart pound for pound has been our best signing, yeah. but I tell you, in terms of value for money, Juranovic for two point seven is sensational. Um, someone tweeted me the other day; they are saying that apparently there's a a host of English clubs interested, and it wouldn't surprise me. But my big thing with that, Amy, and I know where we are in terms of a strategy and a recruitment policy and all of that, and the model. We keep hearing about this model, a financial model. Celtic are in good financial health. And just once, I would love to see a team not just being brought together so that we can break them up and replace them again and make loads of money. I'd love to see a team that stays together for a spell. Now, I'm realistic enough to know that you're not going to keep a team together for five or seven or longer years, right? And if you look at the the team that uh, won the nine on both occasions and you look at season one compared to season nine, you know, there's a couple of people who are involved, but that's it. And you know that the turnover of players is going to be quite high. But what I would hate to see is that a player such as Juranovic or any of the other guys who have absolutely starred for us this season was to leave the club. I would love to see under Ange um, a process whereby we strengthen. Can you imagine going in, and I'll, I'll bring this back into the, the chat later on in the episode, going into the summer, and strengthening by making Carter Vickers and Jota permanent and bringing in two or three. And if we are going to let anybody away, it will be the guys that are on the fringes, not Hatati, not Juranovic, not Kyogo. And then, you know, do that for two or three seasons. And I think the results would be massive if we have European ambitions, which Ange obviously does have. I mean, do you think that's realistic to keep this team that at the moment isn't the finished article I think I still think there's a couple areas that can improve but to keep this team together for three or four seasons I think it is um, and it certainly should be the aim but I, I do think it is doable because um, I think you know I think the last time that I was on it was all about the culture that Ange had really you know built um, and I think if any manager in Celtic's recent history was certainly creating the correct culture that would allow for these you know the bulk of the squad to remain the same I do think it would be Postacoglu and arguably that is because he doesn't have that emotional attachment and I know that maybe would sound like oh well you know this time last year you were and someday well you know I've admitted I was very very wrong last year as a lot of us were um, and it's kind of going back to what we said you know that European snobbery um, or European football snobbery Um but I, I'd like to I'd like to think that he is already creating that kind of yeah culture and environment that these players want to you know be a part of this long term plan because he he hasn't shied the way that you know he knows that his job is obviously the league but his job is to get Celtic back to a a, a positive stage in Europe you know let's let's not just get into Europe and you know crash out at the at the group stage or be happy that right fine European football after Christmas but then have a shambolic last 32 or, or whatever it may be um, he does have long term and, and greater ambitions for, for European football at the club because he knows that's what 
a club like Celtic, as he said, he knew more than aware of the club, and it's because of European adventure, adventures and, and, and sorts. So I'd like to think that he can create this kind of environment, and I think that the first kind of, you know, initiation of that really would be signing up Yota and, and Carter Vickers. Oh, without a doubt. Big Red um, it's fashionably late. I didn't realise we were, and I'm looking... We're, we're, we're 22, late. 22 minutes into the show, and it's only 51 minutes past on my watch. Um, but the reason we were late is because Amy and I were talking about um, <laughs> your big man, um, Big Jiggy, Will Smith. Yeah, absolutely. Last night, how could you fail to discuss that and the fact that he gave um, Chris Rock a wee slap on the stage in front of quite a few million people? Not that we condone violence, but... Um, Got to say, I, I kind of did agree. <laughs> um, Joe, good point, Joe, about Paul Gascoigne's antics at the weekend. But what I will say is we are going to speak about this on the Friday night show this week, actually. We're going to bring it in then. Um, and we're going to be speaking about how that kind of behaviour shouldn't be uh, swept aside as a joke. You know, it's not a joke. Um, and I also thought Gareth Bale's tweet over the weekend was absolutely sensational, where he's talking Spot about... Ah, it was brilliant. It was. I don't know if, if he's him and his team have written it together, but it, it absolutely nailed um, the reaction, the bullying culture, the nature of not just. I mean, obviously he's focusing on footballers and top top flight athletes, but I just think in general um, and the effect that that can have on people. So that was absolutely tremendous from Gareth Bale, um, and it was good to see Gerard Coyle. We don't give the ball away and their players aren't good enough to get it. When this happens, their fans will jump on their backs from a great height. They're empty stadium champions, and they know it, says Gerard. Now, the reason I brought that up is because we do have a scenario uh, at the weekend, big uh, afternoon to party. We do have a scenario at the weekend whereby there's only 700 fans. And I was talking to JP over the weekend. JP was on his way to enjoy his weekend and I says to him that even though I had a ticket for the last time we were at Ibrox, I've had absolutely no contact about getting a ticket this time round, which is a blow. Um, well, I'm not going to be there, Amy, uh, but 700 Celtic fans will. We keep talking about margins, you know, margins of advantage, if you like. And I've spoken about how let's loan all our players out to top flight Scottish teams if we can. Because you don't know how much damage they can do to Rangers or your challengers and they're never going to play against Celtic. 700 fans at Ibrox, how big a margin does that give us? Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. 
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Oh, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Um, 700. It is enough that it's certainly more than enough Celtic fans to be able to create uh, an atmosphere um, but it's you know it's just it's got to be on the joke now I think um, should be able to to be honest should should never have been in this state should always have you know the, the normal the old allocation um, obviously club also asked at least for European allocation can't even get that um, and it's just I think it's just a joke now um, I think we are at a stage where it's so you know if we're dealing with, let's, well, you know, there is only Sky Sports now. There's, there's no BT with, with Scottish football. So with Celtic, uh, sorry, Scottish football do only have the one deal, TV deal. So you only have very and very, very few opportunities to try and sell your product. And surely you're wanting the best product on sale um, on these fleeting appearances. Because, you know, the coverage is a, is a farce this year of Scottish football. It's been the worst. It's certainly been the worst in my lifetime. Mm. Um because even when I was younger, I grew up, you know, Sky, Sustanta, then ESPN as well. You've got the odd game on ESPN. And everything that you just could watch the, the the Scottish football, but it's just not there now. So I just think you're wanting your best atmospheres and best product on sale. And you're not getting that with these reduced allocations. You're wanting, you know, my, I think it's full allocation or none at all, to be honest. Um, I'm not happy with this, you know, the, these part things, but... If whatever happens at the weekend will be interesting to see. Um, obviously, the, there has been a lot of discussion. Do we do we take the seven hundred or, or do just go nah stuff it? Um, so it will it will be interesting. And like you say, you've not um, obviously even been offered your seat this time, so no. it'll be another seven hundred. I'm going to dig out my old ticket. Never got a refund <laughs> for it either, by the way. Um, it's in my glove box. Not that I don't need the money. That's for sure. Uh, Facebook. Here we go. It's finally Monday, Axom, something to listen to after a rough weekend. Well, you tell us more. Was that a rough weekend? It was a rough weekend for Chris Rock, that's for sure. Uh, and Jason Hamilton, big chance to finish him off on Sunday, guys. Um, I think it's a huge, it is a huge weekend. Whatever happens, Celtic are going to be top of the league. You know, that, that, that's big. But so is momentum. And so is what you get, that springboard that you get after a big result at Ibrox for Celtic, at Celtic Park for Rangers. And I think that, um, you know, I would be very cautious, uh, even if we do win, but it's going to be massive if we do, because, I mean, you've got the goal difference as well, Amy. So, absolutely. I was talking about trebles the other week, and people told me to calm down. So, I'm trying to calm down on that one. Um, James, welcome to the show, James. Hi, guys, loving your podcast. Keep up the thorough content, James, at Sydney Well. I'm, I'm delighted that you're tuning in, James, and we do have Celtic fans from all over the world getting involved in what it is we do. We're actually heading towards 1,000 episodes, which is a, a huge milestone for us. Um, we've been running for about five years from the kitchen table through to our own studio, and we're even putting on our own events um, that are not football-related music events, if you like a wee bit of that, a bit of music, a bit of culture. We're putting on an event with Glass Vegas down in Leith called Up the Junction. Um, so, yeah, get onto our socials, get onto the YouTube channel and subscribe. Lots of big content coming your way. Now, we've spoken about the advantage of, of the fans. And I think, um, going back to the Celtic Park game, 
the three 0 game. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it, Amy. I'm not going to lie, and uh, I wasn't thinking at any point. But what is this doing for our coverage on Sky? I've got to say, you're in the moment. You're in the moment. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but on that occasion, we blew them away, and it was three nothing at half time. And you'll remember there was four bona fide chances. Good saves, got to give McGregor some credit. Good saves by McGregor. Yakamakis would have felt hard done by that he wasn't on the score sheet. And at half time, it was three going on five. Um, and I look at that and I wonder how big a part the Celtic support played. And I think it was huge. I really do. It was a coming together of the team playing Angie Stell with a fans 100% backing. But that's not to say that the same thing's going to happen at Ibrox or Rangers. Because as we know, 15, 20 minutes into the game, if it's not going to be going their way, Amy, it's the absolute opposite. And it becomes toxic. So I'm looking back at that game, uh, maybe with a wee bit of green-tinted specs, but I think it's going to be huge um, this weekend as well. And I looked at the, the, the midfield, just to remind myself, and we started uh, that midfield that night with O'Reilly, McGregor and Hatati. Looks like it's going to be the same. This weekend, are you happy with that? Although the O'Reilly one is probably forced. Yeah, I, I am happy with that though. And I think... You know, we've all said that even if O'Reilly is forced or if it be then Rogic was forced, you say forced, but it's not like a forced and you're you're puffing and puffing. You know, it's it's so like for like the the calibre of, of the pair are, are unbelievable. I think in these big games that just purely because Tom Rogic has been there, done that so many times, that's probably why he'd edge it in my in my team. But you know, O'Reilly was outstanding at Celtic Park. You know, mm. to a man, everyone was outstanding. I'm not just picking out him. Um, but but nobody was, you know, I don't know what Tony rated them in in, um, in his post match ratings, but you know, everyone had to be surely nobody could have been lower than an eight. Um probably Joe Hartney because he had nothing to do. Um and you're spot on. If it wasn't for Alan McGregor, then it was five six easily, um, and that's just kind of first half alone. Um, so there's there's no fear, and you know, I don't think there has there has to be no fear at all actually because of of how um, how convincing just the, the the past derby was, like totally and utterly blown away, um, and still arguably one of the best first half performances of the season. Um, there's been so many now. The first half in particular, but I just the, the whole game, you know, if you know, Celtic totally were just in second gear in the second half and didn't really move out of it. If they wanted to, they could have just kept going and going. No two ways about it. But a first half performance, absolutely galvanised by the fans. Um, but I do agree with you. Just going back to what you said, that I don't, I don't think it will definitely be the same at Ibrox. It's two totally different atmospheres. Like you say go toxic a lot quicker. Um, and always have it, and it's not just in this fixture. The it's quite a, a, a common theme now. Um, 15, 20 minutes, things things aren't going too well, um, or not even not going too well, but just haven't really kicked into gear. And mm. it does become a lot more hostile, certainly than what it does at, at Celtic Park, I would say. Um, so I do think it will have two different, you know, dif- uh, two different scenarios. I think I don't think they can be compared in that kind of sense. Um, but the but the midfield absolutely not got. No, no qualms about that. I think Matt Riley's well. He's already. I'm saying, you know, Tom Rogic has been there, done that. It's not like you're throwing Matt Riley in. You've thrown Matt Riley in, you know, in the last game, and he was absolutely fine. So mm. it's it's forced, but it's not like oh goodness me, you're not looking at it as a weak link, are you? 
I'm just the only thing weak about Matt O'Reilly is his taste in music. I, I really yes. don't know what Aerosmith songs he's listening to on his way into oh. Town. It's d- dreadful. William Patterson, welcome, William. You're not the only heavy in the comment section, by the way. As a Hibs fan, good luck for Sunday and roll on another green final. Ah, well said, well said indeed. And this is interesting from Martin O'Neill. Who knew that Martin watched the show? Do we get a sell-on percentage? Oh, by the way, just to let you know, that doesn't actually mean it's Martin O'Neill. Do we get a sell-on percentage off Tierney to Real Madrid? Yes. And by the way, I was just having a quick look at some of the players we've sold with supposed sell-on fees. So if you think about Kieran Tierney, you've got Ryan Christie. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022, and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And you've also got Dembele, Frimpong, Ayer, and Eduard. Now, they guys might over the next two or three seasons get sold on and if you've got 10-15% on them, Amy, that is good going. We were speaking last week about Peter Lobel's legacy um, and the legacy may well have been Ange Postacoglu. Seems that every CEO at Celtic are claiming a bit of that one. Uh, But Ronnie Dyla, I was having a wee think about Ronnie Dyla this week because he, he gave an interview and he spoke about his departure, the reasons for his departure. He spoke about a lack of progress. He always wants to move on. He felt that the team had stopped progressing. Poor signings. Can't disagree with that in his second season. Um, but also he spoke about the pressure. That goes back to what we are saying about Gareth Bale and that earlier on, Amy. The pressure that he was under wasn't doing himself any favours. Um, but what it made me, after reading that article, what it made me think is, what is Ronnie Dyle's legacy at Celtic? And I believe it's the man in the mask. It's Callum McGregor. He gave, him, he gave that boy his debut, didn't he? And um, I think that when we look back on the nine in a row, when we look back on the career of Callum McGregor, Ronnie Dyla's name is a big part of it. Yeah, and it's the same as Kieran Tierney, isn't it? Um, but Callum McGregor absolutely can can remember it. Um, clear as day was in Tenerife, actually, um, when he was given his debut. Um, but it, Ronnie Dyla was hung out to dry quite a bit. You know, he was never it was never going to be a sustainable kind of 
position for him because just the, the media, everything. You know, if you look back, he's got my God, he's got a ridiculous. His stats are still ridiculous. The trophies he brought him were still ridiculous. He wasn't backed the way that you know other managers have been backed. Um, just as you're kind of saying about Simon's one that always sticks out. Like, remember, like Derek Burick there and Stefan Spekovic, like they kind mm. of guys. Like, and now we look at the <laughs> just look at like. And just getting, you know, Joe Hart, Josip Juranovic, Croatian internationals. Um and I and I do I do feel sorry for him now. I, I really do. And I think I feel sorry for him at the time because it just you know, he, he really tried. He really did try with his roar. Um but no, he has to take massive pride in, you know, Cal McGregor. And you know, there's quite a lot of players actually at that time that he he does have quite a a, a part of his legacy, but Cal McGregor's absolutely the but if you go on to become the captain then I think that that's fair enough to say that he's he's the biggest. But like I say, your your um your um Kieran Tierney's Stuart mm-hmm. Armstrong as well. because uh, he definitely saying Stuart Armstrong Gary McKay Stephen, didn't he? In the in Tony, the January. Tony Ralston. Tony Ralston Tony, got his debut. There you go. Um mm. didn't actually know that one. But you know, all these kind of guys as well, you look at like what Stuart Armstrong's went on to do that season when he brought um, I think Neil Lennon actually brought Stefan Johansson, didn't he, in the January and then Dyla in the summer. But then that following season, Stefan Johansson was the greatest player in the league. Um, he was brilliant. He was like a Duracell bunny. Season he, wasn't he? But yeah. um, that, that's, that season where he won every accolade in the country was absolutely outstanding. But mm. going back to it, it does have to be Cal McGregor. But even then, you know, we've just rattled off, off the top of our heads, you know, five, six players who absolutely... You know, he, he's played such a crucial role in not only their Celtic career, but then further on as well. But, you know, Callum McGregor is, um, yeah, to, to give the, the debut to the future captain and, you know, what a captain. I think it's, I still find it funny, you know, looking back that there's so many this time, this time last year when Scott Brown's um, retirement and or leaving Celtic was announced at that time, sorry. I, there was just, nah, can't be Callum McGregor. It's going to have to be somebody new comes in the door. Um, the naysayers have certainly been proved wrong because he totally and utterly encapsulates the role. He does. People were saying that. They're, they're going to yeah. sign a, a ready-made captain. Yeah. I've got to say, for my sins, I thought Ayer was captain material. I know that there are people booing and hissing in the background at the moment and he left that anyway. That keep him though, wasn't it? Like, we thought yes. maybe that would have kept him. Absolutely, I I would have kept Ayer. I, I, I still think he's going to make another step up. Yeah. Um, I know that Milan were interested um, a couple of years back. Will they come back in? But the, the whole McGregor thing did make me link it into the Dembele situation. Bear with me, there is a segue here. Because um, Callum McGregor was never played by Neil Lennon in his first time in charge. And he ended up making his debut at 21, which is relatively late for a player coming into the Celtic side who's come through the academy. Um, And of course, there was the article last week that Dembele was frozen out last season by Neil Lennon. And it made me think of a discussion that Colin and I have had numerous times on the podcast around Luca Connell, uh, because Colin's a big fan of Luca Connell. But there was a press um, interview last season with Jim Crawford, the under-21 manager at Ireland, who reckoned that Connell had wasted two years of his career under Neil Lennon. Um, you then throw in Tony Ralston, who played five games in two seasons under him. And, you know, the McGregor thing being the biggest issue. And this isn't an attempt for me to give uh, Neil Lennon a dig, and I wish him all the best in Cyprus. What I am going to do, though, is I'm going to ask the question, the guys who might have been affected negatively, 
who are possibly on their way out the door, Dembele and Ben Doak. Can our man Ange, who's galvanised this football club, save their Celtic careers, Amy? It's a big ask, isn't it? Because at that young age, um, you know, so, like, I'm 21, I would just go in the huff, like, I really would. Um, But maybe that's just me. My mum's, I can actually hear my mum laughing. Um, But, yeah, I would go in the huff because I just think, you know, I've not been given the opportunities up until now and I need to go and try and get something else. Um, So would you be willing to, you know... you never know what goes on behind closed doors. Who knows? Maybe Neil Lennon promised them game time and never got it. So they could easily just think that, you know, Postcoglu is saying exactly the same. Obviously, they've both have had that little bit of taste. Arguably, I would they would obviously want more, as every player would. Um, but at this stage in the season, it is tricky. And I, I would I wouldn't really blame them if they if they did probably just go in a little bit of huff at the club and think that, you know, I've not got what I was what I was promised kind of thing. Um, because at that age, you, you know, not if fine, fair enough. Alan McGregor is actually quite an exceptional case. That at twenty-one, that's when you make your debut, and he still managed to crack on. Because you know, you look at players, you know, like Kerr McEnroy down at um, Air United now. I think he's definitely going to be away this summer. I don't think his deal will get um, get renewed or get extended in any way at Celtic. You know, you're thinking 20, 21 years old, 22. If you've not made it by then, you know, you do have to start thinking of football elsewhere because you've got to make a living. Um, And I know we say footballers are on crazy money, but, you know, if you're not getting any game time whatsoever up until that age, you're thinking, right, where where do I go? Where do I get it? So I think you can look at McGregor and say, look, it is still possible, but... It's such an exceptional case because it's just not common. You know, and he also had a great McGregor had a, a great spell down obviously when he went on mm. loan to Notts County, obviously partnered with Jack Grealish, um, and had that exceptional loan move. Um and you can't blame other players for thinking that way as well. And if you think of Dembele, you know, this is a guy who was getting cameras chucked in his face at twelve or thirteen years old, um, and by all means probably even beforehand, because you know, TV companies and all of that, websites, they all love these little, um, you know, wonder kid stories and, and whatnot and like to do skills, skills sort of stuff. So he's been getting that attention for, for even longer than, than let's say, like a, a Luke O'Connell or, or maybe he has. And it's just maybe not been at the scale that Dembele has been. But for him in particular, he must have been thinking by now, you know, Kieran Tierney had 150 caps or, or whatever. Why don't I? And I know it's different roles. I appreciate that. But you've got to have ambitions. And if you've got the talent that, that Dembele's, you know, been praised for and been, you know, shown to the world so many times, then you have to be thinking then, wow, I'm not getting any game time whatsoever. I am still such a fringe player. Mm-hmm. And at this time in his career, he is still playing, you know, and with the... the not the reserves, the, and they're not even under 21s, it's not the B team, but when Celtic playing the Glasgow Cup, the under, I don't know what it is now, you know, he's still playing in that with, you know, Mikey Johnson or whatever, because they can. It's things like that, and I think you've got to think as much as we want to keep them, for them themselves, you know, they've got to have a path, and if it's not getting carved out, it's a lot to ask of Andrew Postacoglu as well, when potentially the damage could already be done. Yeah, this is a concern, isn't it? And I think that when you look at the players and the development, Ben Doak, in terms of his age, is maybe looking at a lot of these guys 
Dembele included and saying, well, you know, there's someone who's 19, he's played 10 games for Celtic. Is that the pathway for me? And then if a club inevitably comes in, and they have been coming in, you know, Liverpool, Blackburn Rovers have taken our players, uh, Bayern Munich, famously a couple of the guys, uh, Morrison and Hepburn. And if that continues, you know, sadly, until somebody like a Ronnie Dyla comes in and starts working on the development of these guys, or an Ange Postecoglou, who we have now, um, you know, it it would continue. And I think that uh, Dembele... I feel as though he's maybe ran his race at Celtic. I hope I'm wrong. I hope Ange Postecoglou can convince him to stay and we get another two or three years because it looked as though his development from 17 to 19 had been pretty stumped. Yes, he had the bad ankle injury, but last season was a write-off and that that was the frustration uh, that came out during the piece. Um, And I think that, you know, if anybody's going to do it, Ange Postecoglou can do it, you know? Uh, which leads me on to this next question coming in from Mark Mack, 1967. Welcome to the show. Who would your front three be on Sunday? Because it inevitably will lead to a discussion about Yakimakis. Um, I'll give you my front three because I think this is one of the talking points. I think Maeda's come in and done particularly well on the left-hand side. Yeah. The engine that he has is incredible. I mean, there's that footage of him in the 88th minute and then he pulls it into the Arsenal squad. I just think that's brilliant. Um, it, it just chases every single ball down. And the way that Yakimakis did that at Celtic Park in the 3-0 game was one of the massive reasons why we just snuffed out every single player on that park. The likes of Yakimakis. First half, I'd love to see how many times he kicked the ball. It wouldn't have been many. But the amount of hard work that he did in actually closing down uh, the defence, and I think that Maeda's tremendous at that. In saying all of that, you cannot refuse to play Jota and you cannot refuse to play Yakimakis. And I think Jota's more effective on the left-hand side and therefore I'm going to go for Abada on the right. That's my rationale. I know that he's on international duty, Abada. That's one of the dilemmas I feel that is facing Ange this weekend. Do you play Maeda? How do you fit him in? Personally, I don't play him. I play Abada on the right. I play Jota on the left. What's your thoughts? That's tough. It is tough. Um, and I'm watching all the comments come in. Um, and again, it's very split. You know, I, I quite, I think that's, yeah, that's what I, I would have Jota. I'm thinking, I mean, I would have Jota on, on the right instead then. Because um, I just think in recent weeks, Maida's just been exceptional. I think he's just found like a new lease of life out there. I think he mm. perhaps likes the, the space um, it's finding as well but I think for Yakimakis I think it's instrumental that he's there I think they've, they've got such a great partnership already um, or to be fair maybe anyone can do that because Yakimakis's movement's just exceptional you know if you just watch if you just watch him whatever happens on the wings fine fair enough but his movement in the, in the six yard box is, is exceptional and he's such a, a, a penalty box kind of striker which is so needed or just not even necessarily needed, but certainly wanted, desired when you've got guys like Aida, Abada and Jota on the wings who are putting in exceptional crosses. I think I would go I think I would go Maida, Yakimakis and, and Jota. And again, nothing because Abada's again not done anything wrong. Not not whatsoever. But I just think I don't know, is that me just trying to chew on Jota? And it's such a complex. I wouldn't be too disappointed either way. Um, because I think, you know, I think all four will have a massive part to play no matter what. I think whoever doesn't start out with those four we're mentioning will, you know, come on it and have some kind of impact. But I just think Jota's so versatile that it's not really... Yeah, it is his weaker side, but you wouldn't really know it kind of thing. The way mm-hmm. we're, 
we talk about Juranovic, you know, he can swap flanks left, right and centre. And I also just think that that's, that's quite a good thing to have as well because we've already seen that, you know, Maeda and Jota, not that Maeda's quite as comfortable on the other flank, but it just confuses the, the, the opposition. And I just think that's a great thing to have as well. Maida can just shift out there just to allow Jota the time again on the left um, and I think that would be welcomed. I think that's what I would go but again no no two, two arguments, no, not too many arguments, sorry, either way more than happy if it would be a badder but I think personally I would go Maida and Jota. I wouldn't be like I say, you know, yeah. if Maida starts I just wouldn't be disappointed about it um, but that is my thinking and you mentioned there a, a penalty box striker in Yakamakis and when we look at our two big strikers over recent times we've had Moussa Dembele and Odson Edouard I wouldn't describe any of the two of them as penalty box strikers and I think that we tried to go into the market to buy one when we brought in a jetty um, and now we have Yakamakis uh, it didn't work with a yeti but it's certainly working now with Yakamakis and the way that I would discuss that is the perseverance of Ange. This is all about Ange, the galvanisation of the Celtic team and the club as a whole. So you've had a player in, in Yakamakis who's come in, two and a half million quid. Um, he's done really, really well last season in the top division in the Netherlands. And he didn't get off to a great start. Now, when I was critical of him, however, wasn't the Livingston game where he misses a penalty. There was a couple of games where one of them was against Alaba when um, Idiguchi got injured. And I thought he was dreadful. And I said that after the game. Yeah, he did score a goal that night. And I didn't, I just, I didn't see it. I must admit, I didn't see it at that point that this was the man who was going to lead the line for Celtic. Have we been spoilt with Dembele, then Edouard, then Kyogo? Possibly, right? But I'm looking at Yakamakis, I think he doesn't fit the bill. And, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people agreed. Plenty disagreed in the comments, by the way, but that's fine. That's what it's all about. And he's gone on and he's been persevered with by Ange Postacoglu. And now we're seeing the best of him. And he makes everybody like myself eat their words, right? Absolutely. But I also think Postacoglu's done that with Starfelt. I think Starfelt, you could, you know, you could have thrown him on the scrap heap. You could have started playing Stephen Welsh. You could have played Julien more often since he's come back. But what Ange has done is he's persevered with him. And what he's got now, going into that game, I don't think anyone in the comments section wouldn't select Starfelt and Yakamakis in the starting lineup. That's testament to Postacoglu's man management, is it not? Oh, 100%. You know, he's ensured that the noise has basically been blocked out, um, the, the criticism. But yeah, it's, it's, it is terrific man management. You know, and just, you know, if I've got the confidence in you, then it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Um, and I think that was certainly settled with, with Starfield. You know, he's always came out and said, you know, well, he's got the best defensive record in the country alongside Carter Vickers. Why would you be dropping on that kind of thing? Um, so if if the ma if your manager's got confidence in you, you know, in any line of work, really, um, then, then that is fundamentally all that matters. And he has, he's managed to sculpt both absolutely, Yakmakis as well. Um, but I think particularly Starfield with the criticism, um, or certainly widespread criticism, that he's like no, he's he, sticking to his guns. Um, and maybe that has been helped that Chris Julian's sometimes in the picture, sometimes not. Um, that the returns never really been there. You know, the the return was made obviously, but it's not really been a full return because then next game days, you know, totally out squad um, and nothing's really said. Again, Stephen Welsh, I think maybe we'll feel a little hard done by um, because I don't, I do, don't think he's put too many f 
uh, feet's foot wrong. Um, I don't think he has done too much wrong, but he, Postacoglu is stuck with Starfield. Um, mm. And I think you just have to, you know, tip your, tip your cap to him because you can see the confidence in Starfield's game, I think, in, in recent weeks as well. Arguably because the criticism has, you know, certainly um, done down, and that has to be because Postecoglou is just stuck by, stuck by. You know, the noise hasn't isn't going to make him change his mind. Um, so you can keep complaining; he's just going to keep playing him. And I think you are starting to see a much more comfortable Carl Sarfelt. What I love about Ange is um, he obviously doesn't do social media. <laughs> I'd be amazed if he listens to podcasts. He doesn't even watch his opposition team. He would rather watch um, what was it? Some Sing. Disney movie? Aye, Sing Sing. Too. There's me pretending I don't know. Right, exactly. Michael Quinn. This is a Yeti throwback, Amy, so please just humour us for a moment. We're well, not we're losing aware. at Castle Grayskill. Just saying, Michael, come on. Anyone who used to watch Masters of the Universe knows that Castle Grayskill was the good guys. It's Snake Mountain. Ibrox is Snake Mountain, all right? And uh, yeah, I do agree with you, Michael. Hopefully we're not going to be losing at Snake Mountain. Uh, I'm going to throw that in. You mentioned Chris Julian. Chris Julian was in action this week as we played Motherwell and a very secretive behind closed doors. I think that's the whole notion of a behind closed doors games is that no nobody gets in. So uh, people are scratching about trying to find the team lines and the scores. I think it was 5-2 to Celtic against Motherwell. But what I was interested to, to note is that uh, James McCarthy, Smile of Sorrow, Chris Julian, Bolly Bolingoli, Albiana Jetty and Mikey Johnson all made appearances for Celtic. And my question to you, I've named six players there. We were talking about strengthening the squads, keeping the, the core that uh, is star players that we have and strengthening it. And then maybe then we'll do something in Europe. There's six players there that I think there's a question mark over every single one of them. And that list has grown as the season has, um, you know, uh, grown. Uh, Progressed because I've started mentioning James McCarthy and Mikey Johnston in there, simple and, and Chris Julian. What what does the future hold for him? Um, and I've not even mentioned Barkast. Was he playing or was it Scott Bain? I'm not too sure. So there's actually seven players there who I think that when you look at the wages, you know, um, combined that they're on, it's a massive weekly um, outgoing for Celtic. How many of them would you keep? McCarthy, Sorrell, Barkas, Julian, Bolingoli, Ajeti. And Mikey Johnston, Amy. Julian and McCarthy, and McCarthy purely because I think if you you know you signed him on a four year deal, and I just think it is it was a crazy kind of deal in the first place. Um, and I think you know all our kind of worries have certainly been um, certainly been proven at how Lally has probably been available this season as well. Um, I think it. I think McCarthy and Julian are the only two that probably do have a future at Celtic. Again, Julian is so tricky. I don't know where where he fits in, but I just think that if we, it's hard to judge because we've not seen him in so long at like a, a sustained level. You know, for mm. week in week out, I think you need to see where he's at over a, a matter of games um, and, and give him a run. I think he deserves a run. He's not done. He's not done an awful lot wrong. He's had a horrendous time with injuries. But I don't think it's quite at the stage of cut our losses with him yet because I think when he can play well, we've, we've certainly seen it. Um, I think he can be a huge asset, you know, certainly in the opposition box. For me, our centre-halves don't score enough goals. Um, and I think uh, Chris Julien certainly was one of the the, the last um, goal-scoring kind of centre-halves. But I still don't think he scored enough. But again, maybe that could come down to the quality of Celtic crosses from, from mm-hmm. corners. I don't think they're of, of the best quality. But I, I think 
even just just for that sense alone, I think it offers something a little bit different. But no, the rest of them, I, I do think it's time to go. I don't see where their, their future lies. Mikey Johnson, we've spoken about him so many times now. I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think he's cutting it. You know, there was so much excitement, but it's it's just not... At this stage, I'm not saying that he's going to absolutely have the, the quality that, that Jota has, but, you know, he shouldn't be... The gulf shouldn't be as large as it is, you know, and it is massive. He's just not cutting it. I'll be in a Yeti as well. It's, wow, I think that's just not worked out at all. Um, I don't know, attitude things as well. You know, just, I think it, there's a lot of frustration when it comes to a Yeti because he did hit the ground running when he scored, you know, five, six goals or whatever. And kind of what we're saying, you know, that Yakimax is that penalty box striker. Mm. Thought that we had that in a Yeti. Um, and that wasn't a bad thing. We didn't need them to be a, a Dembele or an Edward. It was a totally different option. And that was great. But Yakimax has managed to come in and totally take that title away from him and, and make it his own. Um, so in, in all departments, Yakimax is just so much stronger, so much better. Barkas, absolutely get him out the door. Um, that's just been a, a woeful, woeful period in his career. He's made a lot of money out of it. I don't think he's too fast. You know, he's on trains more than he's at Parkhead. Um, and, and Bolingoli, again, it's just, is he, so obviously he has made it back from Russia then because there was a lot he of has. issues with his, was it the visa, wasn't there? Apparently. Yes. So he's back just, again, get rid. Um, is that all seven? Yeah. And, and that's interesting because it's not a million miles away from the way I'm thinking. Danielle comes in to let us know that it was actually Scott Bain that played against Motherwell. Um, and that Julien Ajeti and Mikey Johnson all got in the score sheet, says Gary Melrose. Now, interestingly enough, when I run through that set of players, uh, Sorrow was the other one, I think. I don't know if you... Oh, Sorrow. Sorrow, nah, yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> on you go. On you go. Um, Barkas, you know, I kind of did think and, and maybe Ange thought this as well, I don't know, that, you know, just because you're a fellow countryman doesn't mean to say you're obviously going to, like, get on with anyone. But I thought that, you know, being a, a fellow Greek, he, he could have maybe tapped into the mentality Barkas and maybe got a goalkeeper out of him somehow. And he did start off with him this season, but it lasted a game, and it was pretty clear that he was never going to play again. Um, so, yeah, you know, for the benefit of his career, to rebuild his career, he must move on. The difficulty with him and Ajeti might actually be a permanent deal. We might have to loan these guys out uh, because of the wages that they're on. When you look at um, Ajeti's uh, spiral, almost, when when he's at Basel, he's scoring goals for fun. His teammates sell Yanusi at that point. They're doing really well. Gets a big move to West Ham. Eight million quid doesn't work. Comes to Celtic, five million pound doesn't work. We're next. Because you think to yourself, maybe he needs to go back to, to Basel because that's where it worked. And how much do you get for that? You know, for a player who's really not played for a couple of seasons, not much, if any. Uh, McCarthy, that's a strange one because I, I had been hoping, um, I would been quite optimistic that he might actually play a part. And it's not happened, Amy. It's just not happened this season. Fleeting appearances, and, you know, playing out games, I don't think you give somebody a four-year career to do that at his age. Uh, it's going to be difficult, again, like Barkas and Ajeti, to get to offload him permanently. So I think we're probably going to be looking at a loan for James McCarthy. And Sorrow, there's value in Sorrow. So you move him on and you make some money from him. Bolingoli will be able to tie up a deal with Bolingoli. 
um, whose loan deal was cut short. And the two that are big question marks for me is Julian and, and Mikey Johnson. Uh, I've said quite a few times, I just think Johnson was the guy, you had to get him out on loan. Um, and maybe contradicting myself a wee bit, you know, maybe not necessarily a Scottish club. I think he reminds me of Lewis Morgan and you you see how well he's doing in the States, you know, and I just think he needs to go out and get loads of games and confidence and we can maybe judge him then. Again, Mikey Johnson's on a long-term contract, so I don't think, unless we get a big offer, he's going anywhere. Uh, Chris Julian, don't know, big dilemma about Chris Julian. I love the fact that he's a threat uh, from centre-half, something that you rightly say we don't really have. Mm. Starfield's only outfield player who's going to start at the weekend who hasn't scored a goal. Um, and it's not for the lack of crosses, like you were saying. So, Julien, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for him. I'd love... If he comes back as the player that we had, he's definitely a first-team player. But I'm starting to doubt that now because we've hardly seen him. Um, one other dilemma I'm going to throw at you before the end of the show, and it's nothing to do with Will Smith and whether or not he should have behaved the way that he did, is uh, Kyoko. We've already had a dilemma. Kyoko's not even fit. So you've got Maeda, Abada, and Yakamakis and Jota at the moment Forrest is, is not fit Kyogo's not fit what do you do with Kyogo when he comes back where when does he, he go back, I thought you were going to see what happens on Sunday and I thought right that's easy I can just say stick him on the bench when he comes back oh my goodness that's that's a headache isn't it um, because Yakimakis doesn't deserve to be dropped no um, I don't know do you think do you think he could go could you go almost two up top? But does that suit uh, Andrew Postecoglou's system? Not at all. Is he willing to totally change his system, you know, just to try and almost shoehorn them both in? Again, I don't know if he's willing to do that because he's so, you know, he, he's stuck by this system. He, he knows the way that he likes to play. Kyogo's his man. You know, you know the way that he talks about it. Uh, sorry, talks about him, not it. Uh, the way he talks about him or even just it as in his, his talents um, and everything about him. He is number one striker, there's no two ways about it. But I think it's really hard to drop someone who is in form as, as George Ashakamakis right now. He probably will, won't he? I've just probably talked myself into it. Um, it's really, really tough. Really tough. It's, like, it's a headache I wish... Well, I'm glad I don't have... Yeah, he's his number one striker, isn't he? I just think I would really feel I'd really feel sorry for for Yakimakis because Kyogo's got to be through the middle. You don't want him out wide. He's got to be through the middle. We've seen it not work with him out wide. Um, so yeah, he has to yeah, he has to be through the middle. And I think yeah, I just really feel for Yakimakis. But maybe Kyogo coming back, you know, he's not never going to put in a ninety minute performance. Certainly not straight away. Well, if he does, he'll, he'll pull up injured, and again, that's probably. Why, why we're in the state as we are right now there's the strength and depth there now that perhaps wasn't there before when there was the reliance on Kyogo it's, it's not as much there now obviously you still want your number one striker but it's not the be all and end all to get him back you know from losing him to now Celtic have managed to, to really cope and, and kick on so I think maybe you would see a lot more 60 minute Kyogo performances 30 minute Yakimakis which I certainly wouldn't be too disheartened about but yeah, I thought, like I said, I thought you were going to ask me about this weekend. I'd like to see him on the bench. I hope he's on the bench. Um, but, yeah, only use it if necessary. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, going back to the point you made, though, Amy, we're at a stage where the 3 the nothing game at Celtic Park wasn't about us running out of steam. 
some games earlier in the season probably was when you compare the first half to the second half performances. We're now at a stage, even if we do get to that point, you've got all these guys you've mentioned coming back, you know, Turnbull and James A. Forrest and Chris Julian and, and Kyogo, of course, coming back and you can make these changes and you can, you know, breathe new life and energy into the Celtic side for the last 30, 35 minutes of a game. And I'll tell you, coming into this point of the season, that's an absolute great headache to have um, because you've almost got two options for every position, which is your aim. It's been an absolute pleasure. That was a very quick hour, by the way. And um, thank you, everybody, for getting involved in the comments section. doesn't matter where you're watching. Thank you very much. But if you are on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. We're growing the channel. and We're heading towards 18,000 subscribers, which hopefully we can get within the next few weeks. All that's left for me to say, Amy Canavan, once again, an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.